Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of On the Flank. I am one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Is this where I just go soon <laughs> in the background? Yes. <laughs> I should just take the clip of uh, I should take a clip of the crowd saying soon and put it behind this entire podcast to make it seem like we're doing it live <laughs> in front of the French crowd. But yeah, that was speaking of the French crowd. Well, let's just jump right into the Overwatch World Cup Paris. And honestly, my highlight of the weekend was that crowd. I loved seeing the European. I'm a huge European soccer fan. I love seeing the Europeans come out. Um, with tons of chants. They were loud the entire time. I just had the biggest smile on my face watching that France-UK game, watching any game with France in it, because they, this crowd was was amazing. Um, the thoughts on the crowd? Let's just talk about the crowd to start. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, two stages ago um, in L.A., we talked about the crowd there. We talked about the crowd in uh, Thailand. Uh, and just... To a lesser extent in Korea, but yeah, this was this was a crazy stage. Um, like basically, like if you go back and watch, uh, you know, France versus UK, very last match of the week, um, uh, like the entire match, I think there was just some sort of crowd noise going on, um, and t- to the point where you like tuned it out and until it got turned up, you know, at a big moment, um, and then you'd notice it again, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I felt like I was watching a well, uh, uh, European football match, right? Yeah. <laughs> just w- with all this stuff going on, just the entire time, it was great. Uh, oh, great yeah. for the French, great for the French team, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, when, it, when it comes yeah. to competition, those Europeans, they they have they they don't rest for a second. <laughs> I, I don't know when I'm watching something like I went to week one of of um, of Overwatch League in LA. And when I I was a Houston Outlaws fan, and I can get hype when my team's winning, but when my team is not winning, I have no energy. So I I don't know how it would have been if France was losing, but it, it feels like even when European in European football, when their teams are losing, they're still like on their feet, just going crazy trying to get their team back in it, which is insane. I I, I don't understand how. I mean, even here um, in the Midwest in Indianapolis, I went to an Indy Fuel, I think. No, that's Indy Fuel is hockey, isn't it? What is there? It's hockey, yeah. Indy uh, Eleven. Indy Eleven, yeah. Went to an Indy Eleven game, and their their fan section is super European, and that they are on their feet all the time doing chants, and they have like people in the stands that like lead the chants like at the front, and it, they don't even watch the game. They're literally facing the crowd the entire game, trying to get them to start chants, which is crazy <laughs> to me that they have people like that for like Indy Eleven, which is. I don't even know if Indy 11, it's not an MLS team. It's like minor league soccer here in in America. So that's crazy. God, I don't know how we got on this tangent of soccer fans. But <laughs> uh, I guess we could talk about the teams too if we wanted to here in the, in the full European World Cup group stage. Uh, who impressed you? Who didn't, Joe? Uh, that's a good question because I think uh, you know, it was even though the scores came out a lot of the well a lot of the same way uh, here in the in the Paris stage in terms of um, you know records and stuff we had you know undefeated team one and last place team um, had no wins uh, but I felt like it played out a little bit closer to um, the Thailand group stage than the LA group stage did uh, just in terms of the way these teams were laid out 
Um, like I think, um, you, you know, with the possible exception of Poland, I think um, the, lots of the teams in the very middle of the pack were pretty well evenly evenly spread out like for example i really enjoyed um you know even though they placed fifth in this group stage uh watching italy play um not the least of which is because they have i think probably the best um battle tags um in this particular group stage because <laughs> yeah. I mean, with heart hearthbeat and um dragon eddie at midna and anyway and carnifex who, who doesn't want to play as <laughs> as a character named carnifex anyway but um but, but, but no, other than that, um, you know, obviously France popped off every time they were playing. That just was that was a given. That was that was great. Um, and the UK, like I said, um, showing off, uh, showing off what they got. I think um, both of us had predicted that um, yeah, those would be the two teams to advance out of this group stage, mm-hmm. um, and they definitely deserved it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no doubt about that. Honestly, I wasn't too impressed with these teams this weekend. Um, I don't know. I think France was clearly the best team. The only, the only, uh, they four-owed everybody except Germany somehow, uh, three to two. Um, uh, but Germany does have Nesh, who's part of the British Hurricane, and he is, he's a very good player. I feel like Nesh should be Overwatch League for sure. I looked it up, I was like, this guy's, he's clearly over 18, and he is 22. And I, I, I he should definitely be in Overwatch League. He's a, he's a great player. Um, but besides that, I expected I, I expected this to happen. I did. I expected Fran- France and United Kingdom. I kind of expected France to destroy United Kingdom as well. I, France was in the top four last year of Overwatch World Cup, and I feel like they still are. They've got some very very good good talent. Even their even um, Ben Best, their their main tank, he's. He was in EU contenders, but he's still he's still very good tank. Um, same with Nico. All these all these players at France are just way better than United Kingdom, who's mostly made up of of contenders talent. Besides uh, Boombox, your your Philadelphia Fusion man, um, and uh, you know, I, honestly, it was it was fun. It was mainly fun because the crowd made it fun. Um, the teams wasn't too impressed with the teams overall. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about these 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 qualifiers here? I I don't have too much to say. Um, I mean, we can go in and talk a little bit about uh, BlizzCon here in a second, but uh, but, but yeah, I think probably uh, France Germany that was that was a standout match, uh, just because of how close it was. Uh, Germany almost pulled off the reverse sweep there in day two. Um, and then obviously the other one to talk about, uh, there was the last match on, uh, on day three, France versus the UK, uh, which wasn't even, well, it was kind of close, but overall it wasn't very close, uh, which was, uh, I think, uh, unexpected, I think it's fair to say, uh, I don't know, I don't know if you'd agree, but at least from my perspective, I didn't expect it to be, um, uh, that, that's so far one-sided, uh, for France, um. But, but, but again, the the scores, um, you know, they when they took it to S, no, they took it to hybrid. Uh, France won five four. They took it to escort. France won five three. Uh, you know, it was it, it, close in that regard that the scores were elevated. But in, in terms of actual performance, it was yeah, there uh, was definitely a pretty big gap there. I mean, as far yeah, both very. It was an offensive bout for sure. Both on 
Temple, Blizzard, and Route 66. They all had to go to to a second round of escorting the payload again or, or capturing the control point once again. So very offensive bout between the two. But overall, France was just... I mean, they were just were not going to be beaten. Especially, I don't know, maybe it would have been closer not in front of that French crowd. Maybe, because, <laughs> I don't know, if you're Great Britain and you're sitting there and you just hear all these all these chants for the other team and you can't hear the rest of your teammates because they're so loud. And France, of course, has the same disadvantage, but it's their crowd, you know? They, I, I think you gain a lot more confidence when you've got, like, that many people cheering for you. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe if this was in, in England, bloody old England, it uh, would have been a different result, but... Overall, France just looked just looked dominant despite the maps being pretty close overall. Um, I still felt like France was the better team, and Great Britain was was close to taking Blizzard World, Temple of Anubis, super close. But um, yeah, overall, France I think was the better team going in. They came out the better team. Um, we could talk about EU contenders. The finals was also, of course, uh, held here in the France qualifier like it has been like the the contenders finals have been the past uh qualifiers we've we've gotten some live action on LAN uh this time it was Eagle Gaming versus the Angry Titans Eagle Gaming ended up winning um we once again had some we had some world cup talent with Nico on team France he's also in Eagle Gaming he took it took it home for the old uh, the old Eagles um yeah Anything anything to say about this contenders matchup? Uh not particularly. I I didn't actually see it myself. <laughs> um, but but that is uh the last uh last match of season two now. Oh so. yeah. Um and we did Angry Titans, I guess it's worth mentioning that Angry Titans has a bunch of uh Swedish um talent on their team that we saw in the Sweden with the Sweden World Cup team. Um Unfortunately, they could not pull it out though. But yeah, contender season two. It's all that was the last finals right there. We move on to season three, which got announced. Uh, it's happening in November. We don't know exact dates yet, but uh, immediately after this ended, the contenders Twitter said, "Hey, we'll be back in November," um, which we were talking about before this. Uh, it's crazy how quickly they're just they're bringing these seasons back. It's like they want the minor league scene and the amateur players to just keep playing to keep them interested in overwatch because it, i i do feel like the pros like need a break but i feel like if the amateurs get a break they're gonna realize like mm, maybe i should move on to like a different game because they're gonna have a like a big break and they're like i need to be doing something because they're the amateurs they're not making the big bills they're not they're not uh they're not able to feed their families if they if they don't have this prize money so I like the decision uh, to keep to keep it going. Um, the, the other way you can think about it, I guess, is just that they want to uh, keep that cycle going to, uh, particularly four times in the year like this, uh, where there's lots of these teams, um, you know, changing up their rosters, that sort of thing. That um, to, to have contenders going uh, a lot, to have lots of contenders data, uh, can only help these, uh, you know, tier two uh, professionals as they're uh, you know looking to expand their career and that sort of thing oh yeah and especially because because open division teams join contenders every single year um 
so they want to keep that or every single season rather they want to keep that open division going because that's the bottom tier of the amateur scene um and and in order to do that you're gonna have to have contender seasons pretty often i mean we live in a fast-paced world right now so if you're if you're just taking a break on the amateur scene for a little bit people are going to lose interest in it and move on to a different game that has a better amateur scene so or a more consistent amateur scene i i I know in real sports there are tons more breaks but i mean you don't have amateur scenes competing with baseball or anything like that so um yeah as far as that's that's what we got as far as contenders goes let's do like a a little we'll we'll go more in depth on the on the world cup blizzcon top eight the final final eight we'll go we'll go a little more in depth once we get to a week before it happens of course it happens november 2nd that's when blizzcon is so we've got a good month month yeah like a month and a week here um so we'll just we'll we'll do our quick reactions to the draw and because uh, we we did get the draw right after uh, i was excited that it was right after this year we had to wait like a good amount of time after after the qualifiers happened to get get the draw going last year but we got we got the draw this time we got we got a bracket to to look over let's just do it let's do a sh- short little uh, uh dive into that let's let me get your reactions first first matchup france versus canada what do you think about this one uh yeah france v canada um is hard for me personally to judge because of the way we saw things go down in the u.s group stage um obviously uh u.s and canada coming out of that stage um with the u.s beating canada um not quite soundly but pretty well um and obviously we know that's a good team though uh, and so the same thing, um, sort of between France and the UK, um, that France definitely won that matchup pretty dominantly when it came head to head. So yeah, it, as but as far as trying to apply those group stages together, obviously that's the problem of of all of these matchups. Um, but p- perhaps uh, the, you know it depends heavily on. Uh, well, it, it'll probably depend on uh, you know the kind of patch. Um, even that they're playing a month from now. But I might give uh, the edge, uh, based on what we saw this last weekend, uh, to France. Yeah. I, I Right now I'm seeing on Reddit on all these places, I think Canada, the Canada fans are underestimating France right now. I, Canada has a lot of talent, but France France does too. And France was there last year in, in the semifinals, losing to South Korea and giving them a – Giving them a a big challenge there, giving the South Koreans a big challenge. So I would not underestimate this French team, if I were Canada, that's for sure. Um, I, I honestly will. <clears throat> once we get a week away, I'll probably know this better. But right now, after I don't, it's, I'm probably riding the hype train of that crowd. But I feel like France is the better team. Um, but I guess I guess we'll see. We have China versus Finland over on this side of the bracket. People are calling it the the side of death. Last year we had a side of death as well that had United States, South Korea, France, and China all on it. And it was just that those four teams were arguably the best four teams in the entire top eight. So everyone was like, why? Um, But this side is, I'd say this side is a lot better than the other side uh, because the other side has UK and Australia, who I think are a clear seven and eight to me. Uh, but China and Finland, these two 
are these two teams are are another two good teams. Uh, China looked very good in their qualifier last year and ended up losing in the first round. Uh, do you do you think Finland uh, can end China's uh, undefeated run so far in this World Cup? Um, I would I would say no on that. I mean, we saw um, you, you know, obviously, you know, for, for me, it came out of uh, sort of out of left field for you, maybe less so uh, based on last year's World Cup. But um, China just absolutely dominating in their group stage. Um, obviously, we did say that was one of the weaker ones. Um, just in in terms of the pool that was going on there, um, but then again we saw um, you know F- Finland and Russia pretty uh, pretty tight in the South Korea group stage as well. Um, so yeah, I think it might um, again picking the picking the first seed here give a slight edge to China in that matchup. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I don't know. This I honestly don't know who's going to win this game. Um, they're both super good. Everyone's super high on Finland after their very close matchup against South Korea in their qualifier. I'm still not as high on on Finland. I feel like South Korea just isn't as good as people think they are, really. I think people have been com- competing with the NYXL roster and all these players on South Korea for a while now. Um, and I think people are just looking back. They're too narrow too narrow-sighted on the World Cup in general, and they're looking back to last year's World Cup and saying, oh, the South Korea team was dominant there. Like, why aren't they dominant Like now? Other teams must be be better. But honestly, I just think I think that South Korea's down a level a little bit, especially with this NYXL roster who, who uh, ended the season pretty poorly and did not look as good with the mesh shift, uh, with, especially once Brigida was added to the game. So... These might not be the best players South Korea could uh, could put out on that stage right now either. Yeah, we saw in the United States uh, that lots of these, uh, particularly in the United States, but in these last couple stages as well, uh, that lots of these teams that can pull off uh, more variety, uh, a large variety of compositions uh, without having to fall back, uh, like especially as we saw in this European group stage, uh, to lots of that 3-3 play. Uh, are definitely going to get pretty far. Uh, and I'm not sure that uh, Finland has quite the resources available to make um, to, to make uh, that that sort of uh, variety of compositions work as well as a team uh, like China. Yeah. Um, it's all about not only being able to run Goat's Comp in that 3-3 super well, but it's overall it's about being able to counter it super well and having that uh, Doomfist Sombra player in Finland – who would their Doomfist Sombra players even even be really? They are very overall. Finland has has Fraggy and um, Zappas, and they've overall in historically been a super tanky unit. Um, so they do like goats a lot. I feel like, but I don't know about countering it. Um, as far as we, I, I mean, I guarantee the announcers are going to mention something about this matchup—a revolutionary war rematch or whatever. <laughs> United States versus UK. Um, this is, I think United States should take this one easily. I, I honestly, in my opinion, UK is the worst team in the top eight. I'd certainly agree uh, with, uh, you, you said, yeah, UK, Australia, seven and eight. Uh, I don't know about the, I don't know about the order, but I think the, the numbers are definitely accurate. Uh, and I, you know, we saw uh, the U S and Canada just in a league of their own there. Uh, almost playing a different, uh, entirely different metagame 
I mean, the stage that they had. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> that was pretty well decided, I think. Oh, yeah. sorry, Stylozo. And uh, for the, I'm just happy for the first time in World Cup history. This is the third year of the World Cup. The United States doesn't have to play South Korea in the quarterfinals, and we might make it to the semifinals. There you um, go. This is amazing. We we do have to if if we move on, we probably will be playing South Korea in the semifinals. But it's a step up, you know. Uh, making the semifinals that's pretty big. Um, but yeah, the last matchup, of course. South Korea, Australia. Uh, I think this one will also be a beatdown. This side of the bracket is is all about United States, South Korea, in my opinion. Um, any any possible chance for an upset here, the Aussies? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, when we talk about U.S. South Korea, that's gonna be a different thing. But, um, but yeah, certainly these quarterfinal rounds are gonna um, in that half are gonna go up pretty, um, pretty. Uh, pretty prescribed <laughs> yeah uh, i'm excited to i'm excited to look at that in more depth talk to talk to you more about about that uh, for some reason i have been signed out of my google tab sheet here what, what's happening all right let's let's move on to the news though the news um we've got once again this week nothing not too much concrete news uh, a lot of rumors from michael um, it, it seems like we're gonna. It seems like it's gonna be a, a little bit till we get some concrete news. Michael and his AMA said that these teams will probably announce their entire rosters together, rather than um, just announcing one by one players they pick up. Uh, but I, we start with a non-player piece of news here that is official, um, and there's a bunch of unofficial rumors behind this official thing, uh, but. Harsha, the I believe he's he's some sort of coach or just an analyst for uh, the San Francisco Shock. He unfortunately left the San Francisco Shop to uh, pursue other opportunities, um, and he's he's looking for looking for a new team for coaching positions in season two. Of course, there's a lot more behind this. Um, there's rumors that that Kate Mitchell, the GM of the of the uh, Washington D.C. Overwatch League team told Harsha that he could have a coaching position at, at DC um, and and it ended up not working out. Of course, there's more story behind that where, um, a, according to Kate Mitchell in in her um, in, a, in some Discord chat, Kate Mitchell mentioned that uh, she was getting less funds. She ended up getting uh, less funds than she than she had was getting at first to, to sign coaches and players. So some promises she made ended up having she ended up having to go back on those promises uh, because she did not have as much money as she originally thought she was going to. Uh, wow, lots 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 to unpack there. Uh, let's just start simple. Uh, what do you think about Harsha leaving the leaving the shock? Uh, well, I mean, you know, shock was a team we saw. Um... The you know kind of a rough start there at the beginning of the season, but uh, was able to turn it around by the end. Um, you know, you know, pick up some good talent there midseason, um, and, and it had a, had a decent closeout. Um, and obviously now lots of shock players uh, playing the World Cup. Um, and yes, so I, and I'm sure uh, you know Harsha had a uh, a decent amount to do with that. Um, I know they got a new coach. Uh, was it 
was it Krusty that went to Shock? Uh, it was the um, Boston Uprising guy. Yeah, and, and so, but but my point was going to be that that probably that coaching change also um, had had a good effect on that team. Um, but but yeah, from what I know, uh, what I know of Harsha, I'm pretty sure uh, he he was a pretty valuable coach to them. Uh, so yeah, uh, this would be probably. Uh, but probably a loss that they'll be uh, uh, they'll be feeling. Hopefully, they can get replaced. Um, but in the meantime, uh, you know, should, should be a good pickup as well uh, for some other team. Yeah, Krusty was the coach. Um, but yeah, Harsha. I was lucky enough to to meet Harsha when I was in Los Angeles the last year back back before Overwatch League was even a thing. And yeah, he's he's an amazing analyst, amazing coach. Back in back in those times, he was just a, a journalist type analyst who was making youtube videos and now now he's here in the, in the overwatch league and he's super dedicated and uh he's a great guy but um overall what what, what immediately what immediately comes to mind uh, when i think of our show was that one time at like stage two when everyone changed their profile picture to a picture of harsha for like a week <laughs> yeah yeah i do remember I, that i forget why that happened but that happened yeah, I can't remember either, but I do remember that <laughs> happening. Um, yeah, overall, Harsh is, he's even if even if this DC thing doesn't work out, I think Harsh is going to find somebody somewhere. Um, he's a good he's a good analyst. He's hardworking, and he's been in the scene Overwatch scene since since it began. So um, I don't think I don't think uh, I don't expect him to to be teamless by when this season starts. Um, we move on to some contenders news, Fusion University news specifically, Fusion uh, signing Elk. Michael said that, this is a Michael tweet, uh, Michael said that uh, it, unknown whether or not they're signing him to trade him in the end. Um, but overall, Elk is, he's a top talent, and whether or not they trade him or, or, or not, I, I think he could possibly have... Uh, a place a place in the Philadelphia Fusion starting lineup of course he would Neptuno is the person starting in his position right now Philadelphia Fusion what do you what do you think Philly Fusion's going to do with Elk you're you're of course a Fusion fan what do you want yeah. them to do with Elk uh yeah this was something i called um you know a couple weeks ago i think when we were talking about um team Spain in the World Cup, and um, Neptuno obviously not participating um, because he was complaining of burnout from stage one. So, yeah, one of the things I suggested was, yeah, they should, uh, Fusion should go ahead and sign Elk uh, from Fusion University, pull him up, uh, put him in his support rotation. It looks like hopefully that's what's going to go ahead um, and happen. I think that would be probably the best thing for them. Um, and on our, on our uh, notes page here for this episode, I put in parentheses basically confirmed uh, because then BLT... Uh, well, Tucker, his, his Twitter handle is BLT, uh, who is the, I think, owner or general manager or something of Philadelphia Fusion. Uh, he, he actually replied to this tweet. He says, uh, you really think we'd sign a top prospect just to trade him? And Michael says, I don't know, would you? And Tucker says, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that assessment that uh, the uh, Elk will definitely be a feature on the, the 12-man Fusion roster season two. Uh, which is is definitely good for them. I'm, I'm a fan of that. Uh, he'll certainly see more playtime than Joe Meister or Dave Fly did. Oh yeah, 
for sure. He's he's great. I mean, you can argue the entire roster of Fusion University is absolutely great. Um, so I, I expect them to to sign more of those of age players very soon. Philadelphia Fusion has, I mean, they've got to they've got to make some use of this amazing contenders team that they have, right? Um, let, let's move on to to some more expansion player news. Gushway, of course, everyone's uh, new favorite uh, new favorite Winston guy from uh, the old the old China team. China World Cup team, Gushui. Uh He's rumored to go to Hangzhou, the Hangzhou Owl team, and the Hangzhou Owl team had some had some, a lot of rumors going on. It looks like they're putting together a, a pretty good squad here. Um, Michael had some more more gossip going on going on the uh, competitive Overwatch subreddit, saying that they also signed Godsby, No Snipe, Bebe, and Rhea, who are all part of X6 Gaming, which is contenders korea um and then bazzy adora and revenge from seven which is um i believe seven's also contenders uh korea but but yeah it's looking like hangjo is is putting together a real squad here um with 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 one piece of chinese talent uh what do you think about this signing uh, it's a good choice. I mean, <laughs> you know, lots of these uh, expansion teams, you know, we can't say much about them, um, you know, because uh, th- there's only one at this point um, actually confirmed um, expansion signing that we've heard so far, which is, of course, uh, Janice for Washington, D.C. Um, but, but yeah, other than to say to some of these rumors, you know, good choice. I'm, I'm a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that. You know, there's, there's not tons we can uh, do to evaluate these kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, we have no clue if this is if this is uh, true or not, but um, you'd, you'd sure hope so if you're a Hangzhou fan, uh, because these these are some good players. Um, X six and seven, X six and seven. I just realized how weird it is that they signed players from X six and seven. All these numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're good. They're they've got some good Korean players on on those two teams. They're not. They didn't finish like top top of the Korean contenders table uh, this past season. So that's a little bit confusing. But um, yeah, uh, in season one, X six finished top though. So I mean, they they've had a history of being good. Overall, I think Hangzhou. We we might have a good Chinese team if if this rumor team is. <laughs> is correct and they even have one chinese player so that's pretty cool we better have a good chinese team that's all i can say <laughs> i mean yeah uh it seems like most of these chinese it's i think i read another rumor i don't know if this was from michael or from bench mob i can't remember it was one of them that only one of the chinese team is going for a full chinese roster which is good um, but hopefully it's looking like that Chinese roster might not get the best Chinese players because it seems like all the best players are just being picked out one by one and put on like one's put it being put on Hangzhou. And it seems like most of these teams are reaching out to just grab one of those really good players. So uh, we'll see what happens there. As far as uh, player trades, we had we had a nice little trade uh, that everyone expected. Um <laughs> Dante over to the Houston Outlaws traded for Smurf, who the Houston Outlaws picked up from their GG uh, Academy team just to trade for Dante. So uh, San Francisco Shock get a nice little 
nice little tank prospect in here young tank player smurf and houston outlaws get what they needed a tracer player in dante uh good trade for both sides yeah i mean we talked about um san francisco shock with you know four or more dps players um you know it's uh, I, I think we said it was going to either be baby bay or dante uh heading out uh so that's another prediction we called but also uh, yeah yeah i think it's that's definitely going to be good uh good for both teams as they're looking in towards uh season two. Oh yeah uh this is a, as a houston outlaws fan i love this i love it a lot um and as a, if you're a san francisco shock fan i know dante is a lot of people consider him the most improved player over season one and you're kind of sad that 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 you've lost a, a dante but you still got a lot of really good dps a lot of pure dps talent on san francisco cisco shock so you should not be upset at all they're going to have to trade one of those players, um, and they'd be stupid if they kept five because a good majority of their DPS players who deserve to be on teams are just not getting any playtime. Um, some more contenders news. Another contenders pickup, Hagopin from Mayhem Academy up to the normal main roster of the Florida Mayhem. Um, I think everyone expected this to happen as well. Hagopin, of course um was in owl season one for a bit there and he he's a good player so especially when you compare him to the rest of uh, the florida mayhem roster and how little players they have right now too yeah for those who keep track at home they're up to five now uh they're actually signed four of whom are korean just one more they need one more player for a starting <laughs> roster <laughs> and, and probably honestly they need to replace to but that's different <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe Florida will go with the six-man roster once again to start the season off. One of the worst decisions uh, ever made in Overwatch League. Um, so Shanghai Dragons have begun their re- rebuilding process. They signed their new coach, Blue Blue Haas, Blue Has, um, Blue Ha S. Who knows? Um, could be could be any of those. Uh, but yeah, new new head coach Shanghai Dragons rebuilding. Um, I, I don't I don't know too much about this guy, but as long as as long as he's new, I'm good with it for now. Uh, yeah, the, the, that was pretty much pretty much my uh, my feelings too when I heard about all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and something you predicted, another piece of news you you totally called it. That's what it says on the rundown, Joe Meister. <laughs> going for a coaching role and he's looking for a team um unfortunate that that team was uh was not is not uh philadelphia fusion eh he's he's got to look for a new team for this coaching role yeah uh yeah i don't know but uh but yeah he did uh decide that yeah, he's uh, after being released by the fusion he's shifting to coaching um which to be fair that was something i mentioned you know casually i think when we were talking about um uh like grim reality or something i don't know a couple weeks ago um but yeah that's it's good for him um you know obviously um wants to be involved in the league uh i i think he's uh, look at me saying this but i think he's fairly old too um in terms of being an esports player compared to most esports players yes he's pretty old yeah um so yeah it's it it makes sense um obviously like i said definitely wants to stay involved um and he's definitely got the the skills to be sharing um so yeah 
he's re- retired as a player. I'm going now to start being a coach. Yeah. Um, I got, I expected that honestly, Joe Meister. He's, he's been there since the beginning, but he is, he is a bit older and he is, um, he just doesn't have the pure talent that, that he needs to be in the league, honestly. So it expected over here. Um, before we get to this last piece of news, something that isn't on the rundown that I think is super important that I forgot to put on it. Um, Runaway, uh, the rumors about Runaway. Of course, Runaway, the recent Contenders Korea winners and a very historic Korean team that everybody loves. Um, they're rumored to be the most expensive team on the market right now to buy out if you're one of those new Overwatch League teams. And the big rumor, I think this was a couple of days ago, is that the Vancouver team is the is the lucky team to sign the entire roster of Runaway. I think there was a rumor of them needing to be bought out for like millions of dollars. Um, yeah, uh, I saw this like just before we started recording. Yeah, it was three million dollars for the entire roster, which oh, worked yeah. out which worked out to like three hundred seventy five k per player. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is insane. Um, but it's looking like Vancouver is that is that lucky team. Um, Vancouver is about to become a new fan favorite, which I did not. I don't think anyone expected a Vancouver team in the first place, <laughs> and uh, now they're about to be become a fan fan favorite. Does Vancouver win the off season if they if they sign Runaway, Joe? Uh, I'd be really close. I mean, we, I don't think we can call that yet uh, until we actually hear from some of these other teams, but. Uh, but, but yeah, if we if we just call them Busan instead of Vancouver, I think <laughs> I think that would just be the best thing for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they should embrace it. Call themselves the Vancouver Busans. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but honestly, if Vancouver does sign Runaway, I'm gonna become a big fan of uh, Vancouver real quick, uh, which I didn't expect myself to say when they announced <laughs> Vancouver was a team. Um, that's exactly what they need. Um, as far as this isn't a signing, it doesn't have anything. Valiant and Chalk, they're putting on a nice little event. I know when the Overwatch League was first announced, they announced during the offseason that each team would be allowed uh, to put on a nice little tournament or event uh, in their areas. And Valiant and Chalk are taking up that opportunity uh, for the California Cup. They're doing some nice little exhibition matches, one on October 20th in Santa Ana and one on November 10th in Oakland, which is right next to San Francisco. Um, but so that, that's a nice little uh, nice little fun event. You going to go, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> you know, being in Indiana and all that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a great idea, um, you know, building up through the offseason. Um, obviously, preseason will start in um, – probably late November, early December, I think, of this year for season two. Uh, you know, so it's great, great to keep that going. Um, you know, and that's the way they talked about it in their press release, too, that this is essentially just to maintain the California rivalry. Um, and notably, obviously, um, LA Gladiators are not included in this um, in this pair. I think probably the main reason for that, um, it wasn't a snub or anything. I think um, just the Gladiators aren't quite ready for some of this offseason play. Uh, looking at their roster right now, currently only at six players um, and without a main tank. Uh, so it, it, I think that probably has more to do with um, their exclusion than, you know, any snub um, by one of the other two California teams. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. 
Um, they've talked about they're going to have a little trophy that they pass around based on the winners of each um, each match. And again, continuing even into Overwatch League Season 2. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I always felt like whenever, from the beginning of the season, the casters hyped San Francisco versus the LA Valiant up more than the San Francisco versus the LA Gladiators matchups which is weird to me. They would always like call the Valiant Shock like matchup like the battle like California battle like LA versus San Francisco and like the Gladiators are also from LA but they would never mention that and it would be less of a rivalry for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for some reason this is built out to be a rivalry and Gladiators Shock have, have not been built out to be a rivalry. Um, so I, this is cool. I wish I was in California because I would totally go to something, a nice little event like this. Um, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun and it's cool that they're not only that they're doing it, um, near Los Angeles and San Francisco, um, because obviously everything is happening in Los Angeles right now. So it's cool that they're doing something in, in Oakland. Um, yeah, I would totally go to this. Uh, let's, let's move on to topics now that we're done with news for the day. Um, Joe, Joe, you've put a nice little, nice little, um, our competitive overwatch, uh, right up here about about the Mercy re- rework, of course. Four days ago was the one-year anniversary of the Mercy rework where they uh, changed her resurrection to an E ability, and you could only resurrect one, and they added Valkyrie, uh, her new ultimate, into the game, and it's uh, it's been a hell of a ride <laughs> ever since. Uh, Joe, you want to you wanna dive deep deeper into this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can, uh, for those of you who are interested, you can go in onto Reddit, um, you know, p- again, posted on September 20th, um, you know, a, a big, big, uh, long write-up entitled, On the One Year Anniversary of Mercy Rework, a record of what happens during 325 days to balance the most popular hero of Overwatch. Um, and yeah, there's just entries, you know, every day, uh, even from... Uh, f- from the first news we had of the Mercy rework, um, all the way to the all the changes, um, you know, back when Valkyrie had two more bonus resurrects that were instant, and also you got a speed boost, and also you got a damage boost, and <laughs> uh, all, all the way down to uh, what it is today, you know, with, uh, with with still the slow res and still the uh, e- 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 actually including the most recent Mercy nerfs um, in the support balance patch. Uh, that brought the healing down to 50 health per second. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I uh, primarily wanted to mention this uh, this last line here. It, say, it says after the patch, uh, referring to uh, this this support uh, support balance patch, Mercy is effectively no longer a must pick in competitive mode, and her win rate quickly dropped to one of the lowest in mid to high ranks. Meanwhile, Ana's win rate sees dramatic increase in Masters and GM. Um, and so my, my, my sort of question here on our notes page was uh, state of support and competitive overwatch. Because, uh, again, thinking back to last year, uh, particularly Overwatch League Season 1, um, that Mercy was just required. To, even to the fact, I, I seem to recall some matches that, um, that, that were lost uh, Overwatch League Stage 1 specifically because... Uh, one team was not running a mercy and there was there were no other no other things you could have attributed to it but that obviously that's what they want to avoid uh with some of these balance changes um but yeah the 
uh, after a year of iterating, uh, you know, some people think it should have been a lot, a lot quicker. Some oh, yeah. people think they're not. Some people think they're not done. Um, but uh, but uh, I think we're we're at an okay place now. Um, certainly, we've seen um, in the pro Overwatch we've been able to watch, um, you know, a huge variety of supports. Uh, back to sort of like, almost like the support pairs uh, that we see with tanks. You know, uh, we uh, we see Winston Diva, we see Ryan Zarya, we see Orisa Hog, um, and sort sort of similar to that. Uh, lots of times we see uh, Moira Lucio, and we see Mercy Zen, and we see Rick Anna. Um, th- th- that seems to be uh, at least sort of the way the meta is sitting right now, uh, which I think is a pretty good thing as far as that goes. Oh yeah, you always want balance in the meta. I've... I mean, I'm surprised it took them. It's cool to look at something like this because it really puts in perspective how long it took them to nerf Mercy in order to make her, like, not a must-play. An entire year. That's so crazy. Um, That's just so, so crazy. And it it also makes you more thankful for this medal right now, like you're saying, um, because there are a lot of people complaining, like, oh, Goats is too good. And all this stuff is happening, and I, I, I'm honestly super thankful to see something like goats or see something new because you, they're not goats. Still, isn't like a required composition. There are times in, in the meta, like you're saying, Overwatch League Stage One, where if you don't have a mercy, you lose, which is even more ridiculous to me. You can you can play, you can counter goats, you can play a different composition from goats and still win it's not required um there's always something to complain about if someone will always complain about something but but it's it's threads like these that make you make you realize hey maybe i shouldn't shouldn't be complaining mercy was once a must pick um and i think she was like she's she was at the beginning of the game she was still pretty must pick but once Anna came in, she was not as must pick, and and back in the day, it was all about speed boosts and Lucios, and I mean, this game is. I, I would like. I think someone also posted on Reddit just like a whole history of like everyone's nerfs and buffs, like in one little graph, and all the metas in history of Overwatch, and I loved looking at that because you can really remember like periods of overwatch and competitive overwatch and overwatch league based on like based on the meta they were in and like which it's fun to look back and say oh that was the most fun meta to to watch and like oh that meta sucked um <laughs> so i have a question for you what what's your f- favorite meta in overwatch history uh yeah i mean um you, you know part of that is uh you know it's hard cuz uh, we've talked about on this before. I've only played um, almost a year now, yeah. uh, so obviously the game's been out for going on three. But uh, uh, yeah, so maybe what I haven't seen, um, just because it seems so foreign to me, um, trying to watch something like Beyblade, I think would just and obviously I can go back and look at it. You know, it's on YouTube and stuff. Yeah, uh, but, but that 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 seems very foreign to me. Um, you you know with playing on a reaper uh, uh, pretty regularly uh that, that's uh you, you know we haven't seen very much like that since um but as far as stuff i have seen um i'm trying to think it honestly it might be 
But uh, other than right now, because again, I think the more varied the meta is, the better. Um, and these these last couple patches, I think, have brought us really close to that. Uh, with the possible exception of goats, of course. Uh, but uh, other than that, might be uh, some of the experimentation that went on, uh, like like stage two or stage three um, of the Overwatch League. Um, you know, as Mercy was falling away, um, and as um, as teams were coming up with better and better. Um, answers to dive that weren't dive yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, you know we saw lots of um for example i think of the the horizon defense that was standard there in the middle of the season um you know with orissa hog junk rat um and widow right there up on the high ground uh that just couldn't be dived um because of you know all the cc that was going on yeah uh, and all the protection that had uh, all the protection that happened, you know, it was that kind of. Granted, it was a pretty rigid, uh, pretty rigid structure for a dive at the time, uh, but to to see that kind of uh, ingenuity as much as there, there could have been some there, uh, that was cool to see also. Yeah, um, I like I right now I I like the meta a lot and I enjoy watching the meta right now a lot actually. I think there's still some things that could be changed like Brigida's Brigida needs to be a little bit harder to play possibly and not as easy to just counter dive with if it, if it was a little more skilled it would be a little more impressive uh, but I like ever since the addition of Brigida the game has has not been as dive oriented um, and the game is dive has been a strong composition like for I feel like ever since the game came out, dive has just been a super strong composition. So adding someone like Brigida to counter dive was, I think, super refreshing, and um, it was it was awesome to see stage four in the playoffs. Um, things besides dive, uh, but I also really enjoyed when dive was first getting popularized with uh, Miro on South Korea, just showing everyone how Winston is should be played like he just taught everyone how winston should be played and dive um and i think that was a super exciting meta to watch and watching dive versus versus something with with a reinhardt zarya comp go head to head was really fun in that time too um and seeing kaiser against miro i know kaiser is like not in the scene whatsoever anymore but kaiser used to be a very good reinhardt player and miro was considered the best winston player back in the day um, and it would be Lunatic High, Miro's team versus Runaway, Kaiser's team. And and they would just be going head to head on Reinhardt or Winston. And it'd, it would be it would be so much fun to watch those tank battles um, go head to head. But I also miss a time where McCree and Soldier and all these hit scan besides Widow were, were good as well. And I, I hope they add another hit scan character into the game come BlizzCon. I think the game needs it pretty badly. The. I was thinking about it, and Sombra, Doomfist are the two DPS heroes they've added since release, and they're both not hitscan. They're both um, more projectile or or like ability-based heroes rather than primary fire-based heroes like Soldier, McCree, Widow. So I think it's about time we add another, another hitscan into the game. Uh, but yeah. Uh, oof. I mean, we could talk about meta meta for for days. Um, we did get that developer update, which is a nice little transition. Speaking of meta and reworks, we did get that developer update, and it was about the Torb changes. Um, 
and and the delaying of social features but mainly about Torbjorn changes um, which I can't last year last week we were uh, debating what it was going to be and I can't believe I completely forgot that Jeff Kaplan hinted at these because I, I definitely would have predicted it um, so Torbjorn you want to go into read off the changes for me Joe yeah. Uh, first, I, I do want to touch uh, the other things pointed out there in the developer update. Um, you know, a couple couple details. They obviously PTR update. We'll get into that. Um, they talked about uh, the Halloween event is coming back. Uh, Halloween Terror. Uh, it w- will be pretty much the same um, as it's been the last few years. Um, and Jeff's comment on that was um, that the the dev team has been spending a lot of effort. Uh, here recently working uh, very much on balance and uh, hero changes um, in order to to, to uh, work on the game itself primarily uh, rather than working on for example new uh, holiday events or uh, new holiday game modes that sort of thing um, and so that's why we're seeing Halloween Terror again that's why we're seeing Junkin Size Revenge again uh, which makes sense um, you know if the trade-off there is to have a support patch like we had this last time uh, that completely shakes stuff up you know I'm, I'm a fan of that um, also there are new uh, colorblind uh, features on the PTR so you can go yeah. check those out uh, really customizable um, as well as this third mystery uh, social feature in addition to LFG and endorsements uh, that was talked about way back at the beginning of the year um, that will have to be delayed till at least 2019 so we don't know what it is yet um, but that's what was mentioned there yep um, but then yes we do have this new PTR patch oh boy but yeah I do I do agree with you if they're going to uh, put put the game itself over over events I, I believe they should do that um, overall events being not as much in the long run uh, but hopefully once they get the game all sorted out they can give us some pretty cool skins and new events all right PTR patch let's do it yeah it's big it's a big one lots of stuff in here are you doing it or am i doing it you uh, you can do it you're the ptr man do it here we go ptr patch september 21st that was last friday that's when this finally came out uh colorblind stuff uh we we talked about that uh that's super customizable now uh they said they're still iterating on that even uh based on uh you know work with they said one of the lead developers is actually colorblind um so they're Still making changes to that, but from what I hear, that's that's really good. Um, visuals for shields and barriers got changed. It's super cool if you if you can envision uh, Symmetra's new ultimate, uh, her barrier field uh, that has uh, this big glowy hexagon pattern on it. Uh, that's what all of the shields look like now. Um, and I guess I say all, and what I mean is Orisa's shield and uh, Briggs' shield and Winston's bubble, and uh, because. Because we don't know uh, what Ryan Shield looks like because right. Ryan is disabled on the PTR, which is not on this list uh, of changes, I don't think, but it's kind of a mystery because we don't know why. Huh. Presumably, presumably they're working on Shatter stuff that they couldn't get fixed in time because uh, they're always working on Shatter stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ryan is disabled on PTR, but presumably his shield will be shiny and hexagony as well. Uh, we got a brig nerf because we have had a brick nerf like every single patch <laughs> since she came out. Uh, her health of her shield is now down to 500 from 600. Um, so that's a thing. We got him a creep buff. Uh, 
I think we mentioned last week there were going to be a few small changes to heroes. Uh, this was one of them. His combat roll now has a cooldown of six seconds as opposed to eight. So that's nice, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it does. Uh, it doesn't change his usage much. Uh, but if mobility, you are playing, I guess. yeah, if you are playing McCree, you'll you'll feel that benefit. Uh, Farah had a bit of a rework, um, and it's not definitely as extensive as Symmetra or Torb, um, but uh, her concussive blast uh, cooldown is now nine seconds instead of twelve, so a slight bit of a buff there. But then her her rocket launcher got some changes, um, and there's a lot of technical details. But essentially, what happens is that uh, the rocket launcher will now do less splash damage and a little bit more direct hit damage. Works out for approximately the same DPS, um, but what essentially that means is that you uh, you're rewarded more for being a good aim on Farah now, uh, which is kind of what they did if you recall uh, sometime in the summer when they uh, or no actually that was that was back in the uh, late spring I think when they changed Junkrat uh, made his uh, increased his mind fall off a little bit made his primary fire a little bit smaller it's the same sort of thing uh, Farah and Junkrat are, are pretty similar heroes in terms of their usage in competitive Overwatch uh, you know lots of spam lots of chip damage. And so, uh, this is a, you can sort of think of the Farah changes in terms of that Junkrat um, change. Uh, but yeah, so that good aim is more important now. Um, the, the knockback is reduced a little bit, um, as is the splash damage. Um, uh, Jeff talked about it in terms of making her more of a high skill hero. Uh, I suppose that's. I suppose that can't be the case. Um, I don't know. It's it, 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 that's a thing to think about. Yeah. Um, She's still uh, so, she's she's a very hard hero to play in general, anyways. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of, lots of things you have to be thinking about, yeah. um, even with only three abilities or whatever. Yeah, mainly because she's uh, just very easily counterable. So, yeah, that too. That hopefully the the concussive blast uh, buff that'll help a little bit with mobility, uh, which is actually really important on Farah. Um, you know, even though obviously she can fly around in the air, but that's actually a pretty exposed position, like you're talking about. So. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I, like I said, I don't know. Uh, sort of with McCree, I don't know if that'll change much about uh, the the play style we see from Farah, uh, but hopefully that'll help. Yeah, uh, so, especially especially good Farah players uh, to continue to do well. I'm not sure if this is true, but Siegel was talking about this like it was a, a nerf, and was saying that um, direct impact damage is not changing because. When you direct hit someone, you get direct hit damage and splash damage. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know. But if that is true, then the the nerf to splash damage and the the um, the buff to direct damage would do would do nothing, I guess, because it would just be it would add up to the same thing if it's true that the direct hit and splash damage combine together when you direct hit somebody. That sounds right, because, yeah, it's uh, it's 120 damage for a direct hit. It used to be 80 on the explosion, or the splash damage, if you want to think about it that way, and 40 from the impact. Um, now it's up to a max of 65 splash damage and 55 uh, for the impact. Uh, so, so, yeah, that still adds up to 120 damage uh, if you get hit with a direct rocket. Yeah. Uh, but but more of that is from uh, the hit as opposed to from the splash damage. 
Yeah. So. So it doesn't doesn't change too much, except she just doesn't do as much splash damage now, I guess. Yeah, needs a little bit more aim, <laughs> but yeah. it it should work out. Uh, we've got May. Um, nothing nothing was changed for May, uh, but her abilities uh, had have some updated visual effects. That's kind of cool. Her primary fire is more rigid, I guess, is a, a way of thinking about it. Uh, where before her freeze beam was very wispy and you couldn't quite tell where you were aiming at any point in time. It's almost like it's coming out of her gun with more force now, uh, so you can more clearly see uh, what exactly is being frozen, as well as her ultimate uh, now actually has a visual effect um, that makes a, a dome or a sphere, depending on where you place it, around uh, the range of the ult. So again, you can be able to see um, exactly what's being frozen, which is super helpful. Uh, oftentimes, you know, you, you would be, for example, a Valking Mercy, uh, and you would get caught in the range of this blizzard because you couldn't exactly see how high up it went. Uh, excuse me, now it's very clear. Uh, so that, that that's helpful uh, for trying to play against May. Yeah, if, all if, this, else. if you haven't seen it, all this stuff looks very good. I like it. Orissa. Um, Got to change to her primary fire, uh, reducing the spread a little bit. Um, it, it feels nice. I can't tell you much other than that. Uh, it, it, there's not uh, not much you can really notice, um, but but it, it does it does feel nice because um, th they talked about the projectile travel time made things weird uh, when you're trying to track targets over a long distance, uh, which I can agree with. Um, so yeah, it, it feels a little bit better. Um, that's about all I can say about that. Um, but yeah, Arissa, uh, soldier, uh, sort of the same thing that um, his spread um, now begins later. Um, used used to be, um, you know, you'd only make four shots or something, and then his weapon begins to have spread, and so you would do lots of shooting and bursts. Um, so now the max, um, the the max spread has been essentially pushed later from six shots to nine shots now um so now it's five or six shots before even uh spread happens i believe which is cool again that's um you, you know helping you over long distances um a pretty slight buff um to soldier but i mean from a character that doesn't get tons of use uh you know we'll take it i think yeah definitely give me give me some more soldier mccree buffs please uh, Torb is next on the list, but we'll come back to him because uh, I did want to mention uh, hero bug fixes. Obviously, that's fine. Uh, some some custom game bug fixes, um, but the uh, I think sort of the sleeper change in this patch um, is that they reduced the setup timer for assault, escort, and hybrid maps from one minute to forty five seconds. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you want you want to talk about it first? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I always, I think in my in the back of my head, playing control was always more fun because of how quick it was, and you got like that thirty second second setup timer. Uh, pretty, it's probably forty five, I guess, there too. And that, I mean, control, I feel like subconsciously was one of my favorites because of how like quick you just got into the game. Um, but yeah, I'll take assault escort. All these, I'll take, I'll take a quick quicker uh setup time here i always felt like it was too long i always find myself like browsing twitter or something while i wait for the game to get set up like we, we don't need that much time to set up yeah i think it'll certainly change um 
things like, for example, uh, Butler Overwatch played last night um, in a, a TESPA tournament. Um, and uh, I was listening in on their comms as they were preparing. Um, and uh, if you're ever in a situation where you're not sure what kind of comp you run, you want to run, you want to run on defense, for example, uh, you, you need to be a lot more decisive about that now. Um, you know, for example, think about the defenders walk uh, from spawn to King's Row first. That's it's a pretty decent um, track. You know, that'll take you 20, 25 seconds. Um, you know, if you're playing a character like Arissa, who then also has to climb up to high ground. Yeah. Um, but this is, so, you, you know, in, in, in most cases, that probably won't affect much other than speeding your games. Uh, but, but that is worth thinking about, um, you know, as you're um, moving into a competitive setting, um, and just in that you get a little bit less time to try to make those kinds of swaps. Or like, for example, uh, uh, Anubis first defense. Uh, oftentimes, um, you know, earlier in the Overwatch League season one, um, teams would uh, often run a May initially as they walked out of the defender spawn to try to raise Orisa a couple and a couple of uh, low mobility heroes to that high ground right above the point, um, and then go back into spawn and swap to something else and then come out. Um, in the Overwatch World Cup, we actually saw that uh, once or twice with a Symmetra now who can just teleport them up a little bit quicker. But things like that, um, you know, might also be affected a little bit by uh, by these changes. You know, just have that much less time uh, to try to make that swap efficiently. Uh, I, I, I haven't actually tried it myself, but you know, teams might actually have to practice that. <laughs> you know, yeah, to make sure they can get it done in the time. Wonder if they're trying to remove the team's ability to do that or anything. Um, oh, but, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Uh, Butler, Butler's going to have to start prepping before the maps it looks like here <laughs> yeah it, it'll work out we're 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 taking this preseason to to see exactly what's going on yeah so yeah good good uh big change torb oh yeah we got torb this is uh, huge okay so torb uh first got a, a slight buff his head hitbox is a little bit smaller now so that's cool because of all the other things that he's doing now um uh, so his gun uh, got a little bit of a change. Uh, primary fire, which is the little tiny ball, um, the little ball of molten metal, I guess, uh, is a little bit faster now. So that's cool. Uh, that it, it'll be a little bit easier to try to lead. Um, and the reload is a little bit faster. So that's cool. Alternate fire. Um, the, the recovery time between shots uh, has been lowered, um, although his damage also has been lowered to keep uh, DPS approximately the same. Uh, reload time now also has been reduced to match that of the primary fire. Um, and the spread, uh, with the spread fixes that came in, I think in the patch before this, uh, I, th I think have also now applied to Torbjorn uh, to make that a little bit reliable. So his gun uh, is a little bit faster now, a little bit more comparable uh, with the primary fire and secondary fire. Um, kind of in the same way that Roadhog is now with his fall off. Um, the, the fall of range now is the same for primary and secondary fire, uh, so that so that's helpful. Uh, I think just for consistency's sake, uh, he still has his hammer. Um, the actually the range on his hammer has been increased a little bit, so you can now hit people with a hammer as far away as you can punch them. Uh, I, I'm actually not. I'd have to be interested to look up and see what damage the hammer does, whether it's actually worth hitting people with the hammer or just punching them, but. Uh, but obviously, the, that's not what the hammer's um, primary intent was. Uh, on live Torbjorn, the hammer is there so you can upgrade the turret. 
but of course now on PTR Torbjorn that is no longer the case. Uh, your turret uh, is still on shift, uh, but you can throw it actually. Actually, excuse me. Actually, you can throw it a pretty good distance. Um, and it'll automatically build to what is normally um, what you would consider a level two turret. Uh, there is only one turret level now, so all turrets uh, operate at 250 health as a level two turret. Um, it's got a, a, essentially a 15 second cooldown. Uh, you can destroy it manually. Uh, you can throw it out. Um, the people you primary fire at will automatically be targeted by the turret, which is cool. Uh, that it's no longer just going to hit who, whatever the heck it wants. You know, whatever enters its line of sight first, you could direct it. So that's nice. Um, and you can throw it out when you're about to die, and it will actually continue to build itself and be useful, uh, which is kind of cool. Uh, so the, yeah, the turret's nice. Um, it's a lot more. Uh, significance um you, you you have to be more you have to be more invested in your turret in your turret placement now um uh, as uh, on the ptr with torbjorn uh because of the longer cooldown and because of um the way uh you because you can't destroy it all the time um if, it, if it's if it's actively firing um you have to wait like three seconds uh before you can destroy it if it's taking damage you have to wait like three seconds uh, before you can destroy it so it's really an investment um uh, it's gonna be harder to find uh you know forward locations to put it you know gain some early alt charge and then uh set up a turret behind a point that used to be a thing uh that might not be so easy to do now um i don't i don't play torb enough to say that it's gonna be impossible but uh, that might not be so easy to do now. Uh, with the turret, uh, you got anything on the turret? Turret? Uh, I, I, I like this change. I don't know. Overall, the turret on PC, obviously, the turret is it's super easy to destroy. If you if you got if you have some teamwork, if you have a Reinhardt shield in front of you, um, him being able to throw it wherever he wants is is pretty good. And and having level level one was just I don't know. There was no point of even trying to build a level one turret if you were in danger and and all this stuff. Um, and they they Jeff clearly said that they wanted to make him not just a situational defensive hero. And doing this uh, makes him not a situational defensive hero because he can just throw the turret out wherever he wants and he doesn't have to set it up behind a shield or all this other stuff like he does on defense usually. Yeah, uh, you don't have to babysit it anymore. Exactly, and it reminds me a lot of the Symmetra turret changes too because, um, of course, she was able to throw her turrets now instead of having to place them one by one. Um, and, and overall, I still think I still think this is not going to be too strong, though. I don't think this is the strongest ability for sure, um, especially because he has like a 10-second cooldown when it's destroyed in combat. I think that's the big part of, of this is is if if the opponents destroy your turret, like you're just you have no turret for ten seconds. And I still moving it down to two fifty health as well is just it's still it's very easy to destroy right now. Um but two fifty health is is even easier. So I still don't think this is the strongest ability or rework. But um I think this next ability you're gonna be talking about is is his strongest. So why why don't you go ahead and talk about it? Uh, yeah, so um, on live, currently Torbjorn's E is the armor pack, you know, throw out to, to allies. 
Um, but the developer comments here um, is that, that that tended to be a very, uh, the phrase they used was a feast or famine ability, which makes sense, right? When you're playing Torb um, and you're winning, there's lots of armor, or there's lots of scraps sitting around on the ground. You can go pick it up, generate lots of armor, and help your team uh, resist more attacks, right? Kill the opponent more, you get more scrap, all of that. Um, but then as, as a trade-off, you know, when you were losing, um, you you hardly had any armor to give, um, and that was just essentially a wasted ability that didn't give you any benefit. So the new ability, um, they really wanted to preserve uh, the animations, I guess, uh, from uh, Torbjorn's current molten core. Um, and so you press E and you actually transform, uh, just like uh, just like the current Torb does, um, and you get all shiny and fiery. Um, but it's uh, lasts for five seconds on a 12-second cooldown, and it gives you 150 extra armor um, and increases your damage uh, movement. Or no, so that is, that's attack speed. Sorry, uh, attack speed, movement speed, and reload speed uh, by 30% each. So this is a you know a sort of survival ability um, in addition to an initiation type of thing. Um, I, my only thing about overload, uh, like you said, it probably is going to be. Um, pretty decently powerful uh for a for a torb is able to use it properly uh, my only thing is i wish it was was a little bit more creative i mean uh, somebody's comment i forget where i heard it was that you know there's only so much you can say about a, an ability that is just press this button to be better at everything yeah um you know if that's the only complaint then i think they did okay but uh but yeah what are you what are you gonna say about overload uh yeah, I mean I gr- I totally agree with that last comment. Press a button to be better at everything is kind of just boring in general. Um, a bunch there, a bunch of like oh, like League of Legends characters and like MOBA characters because they have so many characters in their game that just their their abilities are just get better at everything for a small amount of time. They're just like oh okay, um, and I there's no skill in that. And I liked Overwatch because they didn't have something like that. For most people, for for Torb, that was his ultimate ability. But uh, it seems like with these reworks, they're really obsessed with like with with taking that ultimate and moving it to an ability. And uh, I think with this one, it's it's obviously it lasts um, a lot. Sh- it's not as long as the as the ultimate ability is. That's the one like nerf kind of of it. Um, but with Mercy, they moved her ultimate to to the E and changed it a little bit. With Symmetra, they moved her teleporter to the E and changed it a little bit. Um, and now they're doing the same with Torbjorn, and I do think this is his strongest ability now. Um, and I think it's a very good survival ability, like you were saying. Like, you get down to... And, ooh, as someone facing a Torbjorn, that's going to annoy me so much. As, like, a diva or something like almost killing him and then he gains 150 armor all of a sudden i'm just gonna be like oh my god it's gonna be infuriating uh it's i think it's really gonna be used as survival tactic tactic a lot um as well as an engage tool um but yeah i think this is the strongest ability by far yeah um i guess we haven't finished torp have we uh because then obviously we got a new ultimate right uh yeah. still molten core just because that's cool to shout <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but in this case um he, he kind of reminds me of uh hamlin's ultimate actually um but he can shoot um out of his left arm with a little claw um 
this describes it as 10 molten globules that create damage pools where they land for 10 seconds um the, which is actually like molten lava that uh, that you can throw onto the ground uh, which will deal 130 damage this says i don't think that's damage per second well no it's definitely not damage per second uh, but it, it's essentially an aoe um damage over time for enemies who are walking through it through it so again um an area denial type ultimate um but it's actually more effective against enemies who currently have armor yep. um so obviously that's includes bastion brigitte uh diva orissa Re- reinhardt uh torb winston and wrecking ball but of course also every other hero um who uh, is on a team with Brigitte, uh, right? Who can give armor to her teammates, uh, both through her E and through her ult, yep. um, that, that it'll do almost 50% more damage uh, to armored targets. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at, if you look at these armored targets, you just listed off, they're all pretty powerful characters in the game. So it seems like they, their main goal with this was to uh, get an ability that counters armor because there I don't think there's like any abil- is there any other ability that counters armor in this game um other than abilities that don't not counter armor <laughs> I mean yeah. no it, it, you know we think about uh you know like Winston's Tesla cannon, cannon is bad against armor yeah. and we say you know like Junkrat mines are good against armor but only because they have the minimum damage reduction yeah. but no in this case this is actually something that uh, that has damage increased versus armor yep first time they're doing that um and yeah it, if you haven't seen it yet it looks a lot like uh reminds me of portal it reminds me of like the paint glob stuff in portal too or, or splatoon i've, I've seen that oh, a yeah. lot splatoon <laughs> as well overwatch is becoming splatoon uh, i love that game but yeah uh i like this a lot it's um this is a nice skilled ability. Uh, you put you place it you place it where you need to place it on the payload. Where place where a portal. Need, place a portal wherever you need. Um, but yeah. I, I wonder if you can shoot the. You probably can't shoot it through a symmetric teleporter, but that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that would be that would be very cool. <laughs> then it would be full portal. That would be amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I saw someone, it has a very, like, long range, too, if you aim it into the sky and, like, forward. It, it has a pretty yeah, long range, so you could just, like, shoot someone with it from a distance. And it'll bounce off walls, too. It'll only deploy on the ground. Yeah. So. Uh, I like this. I like this ultimate. Um, the, my only complaint is, uh, they just moved his ult to his, to his E, but, uh, overall, this ultimate is great. Torbjorn needs, needs a change. I think he was uh at low at low ranks one of one of the best heroes and at high ranks the worst hero which is crazy um and they changed him in a way that is not going to hurt console players either because back when i was on console at the beginning torbjorn was the most overpowered hero in this game especially when you could have six torbjorns you just lost there was there was no coming back from that it was over Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, you got any last thoughts on this Torbjorn change? Uh, I don't think so, no. Other than you know, asking the question, will this actually increase his competitive use or not? Um, and I mean, I guess out of the two, maybe three heroes that see the least play uh, in the Overwatch League, you know, Bastion, or sorry, no, May, uh, Torbjorn, Smetra, maybe throw Bastion in there too. I think probably Torbjorn 
um, is not the least used. <laughs> uh, that definitely goes to Symmetra. So, um, you know, we've seen some niche Symmetra change now in, or s some niche Symmetra use um, now in uh, high-level competitive Overwatch. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to see uh, comparatively a little bit more uh, still probably niche Torbjorn use in competitive yeah. Overwatch. Yeah. So I think he'll be played more than the Symmetra rework. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little better than the Symmetra rework for sure, but I still don't think he's going to be, I don't think he'll be overpowered or anything like that. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's all we got for you guys this week here on, on the flank. Um, you can, you can follow us on social media, our personal accounts. Mine is JW George IV. Joe's is Kirkpatrick underscore Inc. INC. And, uh, we, our show has a Twitter. It's at on the flank show. Uh, email us any topics you want us to talk about or any questions you have, and we will discuss it here on the show. Our email is on the flank show at gmail.com. Of course, you found us in some, but in some way, and you're listening to us somehow, but if you want to find a different way to listen to us, you can go to on the flank.podbean.com, uh, my YouTube channel, which is a link to my Twitter, uh, iTunes, which is my personal favorite way to listen. And uh, we are officially on Spotify now. So you can, if you're a Spotify user, uh, we are on Spotify. Um, yeah, that's, that's all we got uh, for, for this week. Thanks for joining me, Joe. And uh, we'll see, we'll see everybody or see everybody next Soon. week. Soon. <laughs> oh, you must really like me.